So we are in our Advent collection. Advent simply means arrival. And there's two things we focus on during Advent season. Number one, we remember the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago as a baby. Number two, we anticipate his arriving again. And not just when Jesus comes back for the second time. But how many of you know we need Jesus to come every single day in our lives? I don't know about you, but I need him every single day. And so that's what Advent is. It's remembering Jesus' arrival, but anticipating his continued arrival in our lives every moment of every day. Now today, I want to start just talking about um, one of the most amazing species on this planet, human beings. Human beings are really incredible, aren't they? You might not think so, but human beings are incredible. One of my favorite documentaries of all time is this movie called Free Solo. Have you seen it? I saw it in IMAX. And Free Solo is about um, this climber. His name is Alex Honnold. And in 2017, he climbed one of the, uh, the, the biggest walls, the highest walls in Yosemite, he climbed El Capitan. But he did it by free soloing. If you don't know what that is, is he climbs with no ropes, no gear, just chalk. You have a video clip from the movie. It's crazy. So I saw this in IMAX. I was sweating bullets the entire time. By the way, El Capitan is probably the height of 2.5 Empire State Buildings. And he did this entire climb within a day. And he did it without any ropes or any climbing gear. All he did it with is chalk. So when I see stories like that, I can't help but think that human beings are absolutely incredible, right? We flew to the moon, we created highways, we mastered flight, we created the internet. I think we forget how crazy Amazon Prime actually is. Like back in the day, if I wanted like a subscription to anything, I had to mail in a subscription to get like magazines or anything delivered. Nowadays, with one click of a button, you could literally have anything delivered to your doorstep in two days or less. Even right here at home, the Bay Area is known all around the world as a hub for technological innovation. We made an app for everything. I just discovered an app the other day um, that allows people to only use it when they have 5% or less battery on their phone. It's called Die With Me, right? We literally made an app for everything. Human beings are incredible. Yet, with all of our achievements and advances, with all the incredible things we've accomplished and created, the one thing we can't seem to figure out is how to find peace. Right? We figured out how to put a man on the moon, but we haven't figured out how to live without anxiety. Right? We figured out how to create smartphones, but we haven't figured out how to cure depression. We figured out how to harness the power of solar energy, but we haven't figured out how to stop war. See, the reason wars rage around us is because there's a war raging within us. And it's a war for peace. And it's a war every single one of us are fighting every single day of our lives, especially here in a city like San Francisco. And the premise of my message today is we'll never have world peace. We'll never experience peace around us until we first learned to find peace within us. Some really alarming statistics. In 2020, there was a survey that went across the United States, and they found that 62% of respondents recorded, reported experiencing some degree of anxiety. And you would think that this was the height of the pandemic, of course. That number has not gone down much since. An estimated 31% of all adults will experience some sort of anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. Globally, the prevalence of all mental disorders increased by 50% worldwide from 416 million to 615 million between 1990 and 2013. We have 
a peace problem. And it's not just an outward thing. It's an inner reality. There's a film on Netflix that released recently called Stutz. Have you seen it? It's a film by Jonah Hill, and he made it about his therapist because his therapist transformed his life so much. It's a fascinating watch. encourage you to watch it. But in this film, there's a moment where Jonah Hill reflects on the lack of peace that he had growing up within himself as an overweight kid in the film industry. And he thought back then, as he was growing up in the film industry, he had no peace about who he was. He thought back then, if only he could find mass success, it would solve the peace problem within him. Well, he says in the film, he did find great success. But he realized it didn't bring the peace he was looking for. And I think so many of us are trying to solve what's going on out here without really addressing what's going on in here. We think the key to finding peace is addressing everything going on around us. We think, if I just find the right job, if I just land the right gig, I'll finally find peace. If I just find my husband or my wife, I'll finally find peace. If I could just find success, I'll finally find peace. But hear me, church, peace isn't so much about our outer world as it is about inner inner world. We'll never find peace out here if we don't first learn to find peace in here. In Job chapter 3, 25 through 26, we all know the story of Job, a man who suffered greatly. He says this, and I feel like a lot of us could resonate with what Job was feeling in this chapter. He says this, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Job utters this in one of the lowest moments of his life with everything he had loved was taken from him when all of his worst fears came true. And I wonder how many of us feel like this right now. We have no peace. There is no rest. There is no quietness. There are so many voices inside of us that are competing for our peace. And the first thing I want to do is I just want to give language to what you might be experiencing. Some of you just haven't given yourself permission to say, oh my God, I feel like this. There is no rest. There is no quietness. There is no peace within me. You know, we often look to these heroic characters like Moses and Elijah and Esther, and we end up, we end up comparing our real lives to their highlights. But how many of you know that many of the heroic characters we look up to in the Bible, what's recorded is only their high moments. Imagine all the lengths of time between high moments, a high moment that we get no glimpse into. We forget that Elijah, after performing one of the greatest recorded miracles throughout scripture, falls into a deep depression and wants to take his own life. And we forget that Moses, before leading people out of slavery through a revolution, spent 40 years in his own wilderness, haunted by the sins of his past, by a murder that he had committed. We forget And I think some of us, we are in need of peace today. And I just want you to know you are not alone because every single human being who's walked this earth has needed peace. This is a reality that all of us can resonate with. Advent reminds us that peace arrived 2000 years ago, but it also reminds us how we still need peace today. Isaiah 9, 6, this is one of the prophetic verses about the coming Messiah. Isaiah writes, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting savior. And what? Prince of peace. 
See, during this Advent season, we remember the arrival of Jesus described as the Prince of Peace, and with him, the arrival of true peace. See, Jesus' arrival did more than just, it did more than just inspire a holiday. It sparked a rebellion, a rebellion against the breakneck speed of our culture, a rebellion against the anxiety-inducing worries of our day, a rebellion against all the things that try to rob us of the peace inside of our souls. There's a war raging in our souls, and it's a war for peace, but Jesus is leading the rebellion. He says in John 14, 27, as he's sitting with his disciples for one final time at the Last Supper, this is what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Think about this moment. Jesus is sitting with his disciples at the Last Supper. This is like the final meal. You know, I I always wondered, maybe because I'm getting older. I know I'm only 35, but I wonder like, what's going to be the last thing I eat before I die? Right? Like, have you ever thought about that? Because I want it to be something good. Well, that's probably what Jesus was thinking. This is the last meal I have with my friends without being tortured, without any pain, without any turmoil. This is the last meal I have. And he chooses to say, peace, I leave with you. Knowing full well that these would be the friends that would betray him and abandon him, knowing full well that he's about to be arrested and tortured and crucified. Yet he looks around at his disciples and he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. See, at this moment, he had every reason to feel anxiety and fear. He had every reason to believe that the end was upon him. Yet, in the midst of it all, he has peace. Peace in the face of overwhelming circumstances. Peace in the face of uncertainty. Peace in the face of pain and sorrow. Hear me, church. The world does not know this kind of peace. And so many of us have never known this kind of peace. A few chapters later, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I find it funny how people like love this verse without realizing like what it, what it's actually saying, because they're like, yes, Jesus has overcome the world. But I'm like, are you actually reading the verse? That's true. But what Jesus is really getting at here, he's guaranteeing that you will experience trouble in your life, that life is going to suck. He's saying there's 100% certainty for pain and hardship and struggle. Life will get hard. You'll experience heartbreak. You'll experience disappointment. You'll lose loved ones. You'll feel uncertain about the future. You'll experience pain. In this world, you will have trouble, but the encouragement is this, but take heart. I love the imagery this evokes. It's like, take heart, like grab your heart. Grab a hold of your heart. Not so that you can like will it into peace, but grab heart. Take heart so that you can bring it to the Prince of Peace. So that you can give it to Jesus. He says, so that in me you will have peace. Just to be real, I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in the church is coming up with these like big lofty goals about what we think a follower of Jesus should be. You know, for the longest time, I would read passages like this and I would think the goal for me being a follower of Jesus is to one day like be unshakable. 
You know, like nothing could touch me. Nothing could phase me. Like, you know, you know that meme about like the, the house that's burning down and the puppies just like flying. Like I thought that was the goal of Christianity and of faith. Never struggling with anxiety or worry or fear. Always happy and always at peace. But then I think about Jesus and we think Jesus is like that, don't we? But we forget Jesus at moments of great sorrow paused to cry and to weep. We forget that Jesus, in one of the moments where he was so afraid of the task before him, bears his soul to the Father so much that he begins crying tears of blood. That doesn't sound like someone who on the outside is unshakable to me. Was Jesus not confronted by anxiety and fear? Was his heart never troubled? It was. But what's the difference? See, the goal isn't to be unshakable. The goal is that when we are shaken, we go to the one who was never shaken, to the one who's never worried or afraid or freaking out, to the one who's never weary. Peace is not about the absence of conflict. Peace is about the presence of Christ that creates a stillness within you that's greater than what's going on around you. Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. And learning to live in this peace is learning how to abide with the one whose name is Prince of Peace. See, the peace the world promises us is a peace that's outside in. But the peace that Jesus promises us is the peace that flows from the inside out. In other words, peace isn't dependent on God changing my circumstances. Peace is finding God in the thick of my circumstances. There's a big difference. Um, Many years ago, when I was a children's pastor, I had this kid, um, his name is G1, and we did this like sleepover with some of the fifth grade boys in our class, me and my, my roommate, we we're watching them, and we we're at the park and we we're playing basketball, and have you ever heard of goose eggs or goosebumps? Is, is that what it's called? No, goose eggs, right? Like if you hit yourself so hard, you could develop like a giant egg-sized bump on your head. Well, I didn't know that existed. And as we were playing basketball, G1, like, he's like, having so much fun. <laughs> he makes a layup, and he does not stop running full speed, and he runs right into the basketball pole. Now, I'm an Enneagram type 7. What that means is I'm genuinely, genuinely, or most of the times, very positive and optimistic. My friend is an Enneagram type 6, and I love type 6s. But type 6s, you know, they play out worst-case scenarios in their heads. They want to prepare for any danger or any, any hardship that comes along the way. Well, well, G1's on the floor, and he's at that point where he's stunned, but he's not scared. And he hit his head, and it hurt, but he seems to be all right. Now, I show up first on the scene, and I look at his head, and part of my language, but there's a big-ass goose egg on his head protruding, like literally the size of my fist. And I didn't know what this was. I didn't know this is actually a very normal thing, but I was looking at him and literally half of his forehead, there's a giant protrusion coming out of his head. I'm like, oh my God, I broke his skull under my watch. I'm about to get sued. I'm about to get fired. But in my mind, I'm like, I can't let him see fear in my eyes because then he's going to freak out. So I'm like, Hey, you all right? Hey, come on, let's get up. My friend, Daniel, Enneagram type six shows up. He's like, oh my God. And she was like, what? And he just starts crying. He's freaking out. Finally, all the pain rushes in. You know, I find with Zion, I have to just learn not to freak out. The other day he was on a diaper changing station this high and he fell off 
and his like body contorted and he hit the ground. And um, I did a great job. I was like, oh, you're right, bro. But in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, did I just kill my son? Oh my God. But there's something about being in the presence of someone who has immense authority, immense value in your life and seeing that they're not freaking out, seeing they're not afraid. When I was really young, um, I was really afraid of thunderstorms. I love them now, but I was terrified of them when I was growing up. And I remember one time all the electricity went out in our house and I'm scared of the dark. And I had this irrational fear of like people trying to break into our house from watching home alone too much. And so it's dark, all the power's out. I'm looking outside the window. It's raining. I'm looking at our front gate and I swear I see a man in a trench coat there. It w- probably wasn't there, but I'm just like, someone's trying to break in thunderstorm, lightning, power out darkness. I'm freaking out. But you know what happened? My father, he could see that I was scared. He comes up to me and all it took was one look in his eyes and I saw he's not afraid. And he looked at me and said, son, there's nothing to be afraid of. Why don't we go cozy up by the fire, eat chipo, which is a Korean snack. And we just chilled there for the rest of the night. There's something about being in the presence of peace that just brings peace to our souls. And what this verse is telling us is not, hey, like, Grow up, like learn to have peace in all your crappy circumstances. Learn to have peace in the face of your doubt. No, he's saying you're going to feel all those things. Like, let's be real. Even when you grow old and you're maturing your faith, you're going to come up against something that shakes you, that makes you feel like I don't know what's going to happen, that makes you afraid that the worst fears are going to come true, that makes you feel like I don't know if I can make it, that makes you feel like I have no hope, I have no joy, I have no peace. You're going to come up against that again and again. You will have trouble, but take heart. In me, you will find peace. It's not about being unshakable. It's about going to the unshaken one. It's about going to the one who knows perfect peace. The arrival of peace 2,000 years ago doesn't mean the absence of trouble. You will have trouble, but it means that Jesus beckons us to take heart and find our peace in him. But here's the thing, and I'm closing with probably the worst part of the message because y'all are going to hate this. Peace costs us something. It's not free. And it's not cheap. And it's something that most of us are unwilling to give up. Do you know what peace costs us? Peace costs us control. I think I share this quote every year when we talk about peace. But Erwin McManus, he says, peace does not come because you finally have control over your life. Peace comes when you no longer need control. Can I just clear the air about something here? You think you're in control of your life. I mean, we, th- we really think we're in control of our lives, but we are not, at least not completely. Like case in point, you could plan for an entire year to make sure your trip to Hawaii goes off flawlessly and you show up to the airport on the day of your flight and your flight is canceled. You have no control, right? You think that you can map out your entire career on an Excel spreadsheet only to find next week that you were let go by your company. You ain't got no control. Do you know we are literally at the mercy of nature and physics, how even a tiny percentage of a degree off in the rotational axis around the sun will 
thrust us into complete devastation, the end of humanity, the end of our existence. There are so many things out of our control that we try to control, and it's killing our souls. Control is a myth, and peace can only come when we give control up to God. That does not mean you stop taking responsibility for your life. There is some degree of control you have over your lives. You can't blame everything on God. But there are things out of our control that we try to control that bring so much anxiety and detriment to our souls. This is why in Philippians 4, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a kind of peace that can only come when we're willing to give up our need for understanding, our need to know, our need for control. I, um, one of the worst TV shows I could get into are like mystery shows. You know, like anything J.J. Abrams makes, right? Anything that like you have to get to the final episode to like know what it was all about. I hate those shows because I cannot wait. Like I cannot stand mystery. Like when I come across a show like that, I need to binge it to get to the end so I could go on Reddit and read all the theories and read everything about what everyone's commenting about that movie. I need to know. And I think so many of us are like that in our lives. We need to know God. I can't wait for the next episode. I can't. Do you remember when TV was serialized? Weekly television release episodes? Like, we can't do that anymore. I have a friend who will um, boycott watching a show until all the episodes are released just because he cannot wait. And I think so many of us are like that in our lives. We can't wait. We can't stand the idea of mystery. We can't stand the idea of not knowing, of not understanding. But hear me, church, there's a peace that only comes when we're willing to give up our need for understanding. Say, God, I don't need to know, but I trust you. God, I don't need to have a handle over my entire situation because I know you're in control. God, I don't need to have everything in order because I know I can trust in your peace. And I look in your eyes and you're never freaking out. I was thinking about what kind of dad I want to be for Zion. And the top of my list is I want to be a non-anxious presence. I never want him to see me like scrambling or freaking. I want him to look at me and know everything's going to be all right. And I'm going to fail that one day. Like one day he's going to look in my eyes and like, you know, he's about to touch a stove or like fall down some stairs and I'm going to freak out and he's going to know. But we have a father who will never freak out, who will never know panic or worry. And peace is about leaning into him, saying, God, I give you my need for control, my need for understanding, my need for knowing. And then the peace that transcends all understanding It says what? We'll guard our hearts and our minds. See, some of the peace that we have guarding our hearts and our minds are the kinds of peace that could be disrupted when something goes wrong around us. Isn't that true? Like, you're having a good week, and so your heart's really well protected. Like, everything's going well at work, the project's going off, all my relationships feel good, but then the next week, everything starts going to hell. And all of a sudden, that peace that was supposed to be guarding your heart and your mind, it falls apart. Why? Because it wasn't the peace that transcends all understanding. This is a different kind of peace. And this is the kind of peace Jesus offers. And I believe it's one he's offering to us today. So right now, I want to invite us to a time of response. Have you come in 
And have you been feeling the words of Job? Have you been feeling that you have no rest? Have you been feeling that you have no peace? Have you been feeling that you have no quietness? Jesus has a peace for you today. So right now, why don't we close our eyes? Is there an area of your life where you need peace? Is there an area of your life where you need Jesus to come and say, everything's going to be okay? Is there an area of your life where you need Jesus to tell you you don't have to worry anymore?